0: All right, good morning, everybody. Let's stand and begin worship at the font today. I want to let you know, most of the prayers for today were written by the confirmation students. So please uh, keep an eye out for that. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Let us give thanks together for the gift of baptism. God Almighty, you accompanied Noah and his family through the flood. You parted the Red Sea and led the Israelites into freedom. You sent John the Baptist to the River Jordan to prepare people to be a part of your kingdom. And you walked on water to show people your power. Glory to God. Glory to God. In our baptisms, you save us from sin, trial, and anger. You join us into the body of Christ. You make us a part of this community. Praise be to God. As we gather at the font, this day forgive our sins and heal us of our despair. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. O oh God, on this day you revealed your Son to the nations by the leading of a star. Lead us now by faith to know your presence in our lives, and bring us at the last to the full vision of your glory. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The first reading is from Isaiah. Arise, shine, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will appear over you. Nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look around. They all gather together, They come to you. Your sons shall come from far away, and your daughters shall be carried on their nurses' arms. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and rejoice, because the abundance of the sea shall be brought to you. The wealth of the nations shall come to you. A multitude of camels shall cover you. The young camels of Midian and Ephah, all those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and frankincense and shall proclaim the praise of the Lord. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God. second reading is from Ephesians. This is the reason that I, Paul, am a prisoner for Christ Jesus for the sake of you, Gentiles. For surely you have already heard of the commission of God's grace that was given to me for you, and how the mystery was made known to me by revelation. As I wrote above in a few words, a reading of which will enable you to perceive my understanding of the mystery of Christ. In former generations, this mystery was not made known to humankind, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. That is, the Gentiles have become fellow heirs, members of the same body, and sharers in the promise of Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I have become a servant according to the gift of God's grace that was given to me by the working of his power, Although I'm the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to me to bring the Gentiles the news of the boundless riches of Christ and to make everyone see what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things, so that through the church, the wisdom of God and its rich variety might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was in accordance with the eternal purpose that he carried out, in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have access to God in boldness and confidence through faith in him. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God. the holy gospel according to saint matthew glory to you O lord in the time of king herod after jesus was born in bethlehem of judea wise men from the east came to jerusalem asking where's the child who has been born king of the jews for we observed his star at its rising and we have come to pay him homage and king herod heard this he was frightened and all jerusalem with him And on entering the house, they saw the child, with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, O Christ. There's an old story, I probably shared this one before, about a professor at Jewish Theological Seminary in New York City. And on the first day of class every year, he would bring in this huge copy of the Torah, some edition that weighed like 20 pounds or something. And he would go into class, pick it up, and drop it on the middle of the seminar table. And it would land with this thud. And everyone in the class would be shocked into silence. And after about 30 seconds or so he would ask, so what does it say? And everyone would be so terrified of this professor that they would just sit there in silence, but after a long pause he would say, well you're exactly right. It doesn't say anything. You have to read it. For you to get the meaning of the stories from scriptures, You have to make a bunch of decisions about what language means, how images are used, what claims are being made. The Bible doesn't say anything. You have to read it. So whenever we read scripture, it helps to ask some very simple questions. The same type of questions we would ask of any novel or piece of literature. Questions like, who is the audience for this story? is written in the first, second, or third person, and the one that I want to focus on today, what do the characters in the story know, and how is it different from what the narrator of the story knows? In St. Matthew's Christmas story, the gap in knowledge between what the narrator knows and the characters know is pretty big. Unlike Luke, who focuses mostly on Mary, Matthew focuses mostly on Joseph. Joseph is set to marry Mary when he finds out she's pregnant, and he thinks about leaving her quietly, but he decides to stay. He's told in a dream, dreams are how God communicates in the story, that the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit and will save his people from their sins. So what does Joseph know? Well, Joseph knows that Mary is pregnant, This child has something to do with God and will be some sort of important religious figure for the Jewish people in their community. That's pretty much it. And in Joseph's mind, he thinks about the child mostly in those terms. How is this child going to affect me? How are other people going to view me? How is this child going to change my life? How is it gonna change my relationship with Mary? When Jesus is about to enter the world, Joseph is thinking about Jesus primarily in relationship with me. Is that the same perspective, the same knowledge that the narrator of the story has? Well, no. It's not even close. The narrator of the story knows way, way, way more. The narrator knows there are wise men from the East who've been checking out this star in the sky and are set to track down exactly what it means. And these wise men are not Jews. These are not people who read Isaiah cover to cover and are expecting a Messiah. These are people who are just sort of interested in what's going on. So read today's story with that gap in mind. We often imagine this story from the wise men's perspective, We thought there might be a child here. There is. This is great. We brought gifts. But how does it play out from Joseph's perspective? Well, it's very, very different. And you have to wonder what Joseph thought when these wise men showed up. Probably that there had been some kind of mistake. Surely you're looking for someone else. You probably have the wrong stable or something, only to discover that there is no mistake. You had a story in your mind about this child, and the characters are the baby, you, God, and Mary. What happens when the wise men show up? Well, you realize your old story wasn't big enough. It's not just you and God and Mary and this baby. It's all these people that you've never met before, you have not invited, and you haven't talked to. That's what the epiphany is all about. That God's story is bigger than our perspective. The default setting we usually have where we are the center of everything that's happening and things are real when they affect us isn't the perspective that God has. And that isn't just true for Joseph, but for all of us. Whenever we encounter another person, we're always encountering someone who's already in relationship with God. When the wise men show up unannounced, they might be new to me, but they're not new to God. And so before I start defining other people in relationship with me, what are they doing barging in on my story, I need to grapple with the fact that these are people whose source of life is the Word made flesh, just like me. some of the earliest christian writers called this a non-passionate view of other people and what they meant by non-passionate wasn't that you don't care you're just like whatever what they meant was you don't view other people primarily in terms of your own desires and experiences for many of us including me other people are defined mostly in terms of how they affect my life when i think of the people i deal with every day I think of them as helpful, annoying, wise, insufferable, primarily based on how they impact my life. I know who this person is because of how they affect me. A non-passionate perspective, an epiphany perspective, just means recognizing that other people are already in relationship with God before I step into the picture. And people may be all sorts of things to me but they're always people made in the image of God and sustained by God's word. Epiphanies happen whenever we take that kind of non-passionate perspective on life. When our reaction to the wise men isn't, why are these random people showing up? But the story is bigger than I thought it was. Wherever Jesus goes, there are epiphanies. There are people who discover that the design of God's great love is bigger than our experience, projections, and desires. At the center of the story isn't my own ego, but the Word made flesh and born among us. Now, let me give you one more way to think about this. You remember like a year ago, we were doing everything on Zoom and YouTube, and we were trying to decide whether we wanted to do communion as part of that. Do you remember this? Okay. So I invited you to sort of shoot me an email, give me a call, tell me what communion means to you and why you think we should or shouldn't do it during Zoom church. The answers were all really, really interesting. Everybody passes, everybody gets A-pluses on your answers. Most of the answers that people gave me had something to do with forgiveness, comfort, ritual, a sense of order. This is our common practice. That's all fine and good. Epiphany gives us another answer for why we need to receive communion. We gather at table not just to be forgiven or comforted, but because we need to see one another correctly. The Eucharist gives us the right kind of perspective on each other. When we gather at table, we see one another, not in terms of our own desires and experiences and resentments, but from God's perspective. What lies between us today and every day we gather at table is the same gift that lay between Joseph and the wise men that first epiphany, which is the body of Christ, the passion of God, the gift to all creation. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's join the church around the world confessing our faith using the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten not made, we acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. I invite the assembly to sit or kneel for the reading of today's prayers. In the season of watching and waiting, let us pray for all people and places that yearn for God's presence. We pray for the unity of the church. Make your church a place of grace and acceptance so that everyone feels safe in our communities and can be themselves. Hear us, O God. Your mercy is great. We pray for creation. Help us to restore creation, not harm or kill the environment. Forgive us for the trouble we cause. Hear us, O God. Your mercy is great. We pray for the nations. Uphold all who live under corrupt or unjust governments, and all who are incarcerated, persecuted, or denied their human rights. Hear us, O God, your mercy is great. We pray for people in need. Heal the ill and injured, feed the hungry, quench the thirsty, and make us generous in our assistance. If you have any other petitions, I invite you to offer those at this time. Hear us, O God, your mercy is great. Unite us with those in eternal rest. Let us find rest in you. Hear us, O God, your mercy is great. We offer these prayers in the name of the Lamb of God, who sacrifices himself for our sins. Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And may the peace of the Lord be with you always and also with you. Before we do the offering song, we're going to do Sermon on the Steps. So just give me one, two minutes, Jason. All right. Does anybody remember Sermon on the Steps from Christmas Eve? We did, yeah. We did. We did gift tags, right? Your Grandkids were here at Caressa. This was what I was gonna do, and then it occurred to me on Christmas Eve, like, this is gonna be a disaster, so we're not gonna do this. Some of you may know, we did lessons and carols on Christmas Eve, Um, there are different settings of that, there are different readings you can use that come from uh, the Church of England, the historically sort of British settings of that. I just need my last prop real quick. As I was going around and trying to find the readings, they have some British traditions that they do with kids. And one of them I'd never heard of before, which is called a Christingle. Has anyone ever heard of a Christingle? No? Okay. good. So what a Christingle is, it's a centerpiece. It's a thing that you make around Christmas with kids, and you put it on your table. And we're going to make one together today. So what you need to start with is you have an orange. And the orange, does anybody want to guess what the orange represents? A round thing, circle, <laughs> a sphere? It's, it's, it's the Earth. It's the whole Earth, right? So we start with the Earth, and on top of that, we are going to put a candle. Does anybody want to guess what the candle represents? It gives off light. The candle represents whom? Jesus! Yeah, right? So we have the orange. They they say you're supposed to slice in the top. I'm not going to try that. So we're going to put a candle on top of the orange here. This is actually a Shabbat candle made by Manischewitz. (laughs) That was the hardest I ever made Rabbi Benny laugh was when I told him we were using Shabbat candles in church. Okay, so we got an orange, we got a candle on top of that, the light of the world. We're going to take a red ribbon, We're gonna wrap it around the whole earth. What is something that's red that sustains your life? Blood, right? Red represents the blood of Jesus, the sort of life force of Jesus. And why does it go around the whole world? Because it covers everybody, right? Yeah, Jesus loves everybody. Candles not cooperating. We're gonna take a hiatus from that. The last thing you add is you take sweet fruit. I'm going to use raisins today, because these are cheap. Uh, We're going to take some raisins, and we're going to put them around the orange. What what flavor do you get when you eat a piece of dried fruit? Sweet, yeah, sweet. The, The love of Jesus, it's sweet. It's sweeter than honey, right? And we're going to take, I'm not going to do all of them, But we're going to take four different toothpicks and have raisins coming out from four different sides of the sphere. Does anybody want to guess why we're going to do four sides? North, south, east, west. Where did the wise men show up from today? The east, right? Uh, In some medieval depictions of the wise men, they're depicted as from every continent on the planet. So the whole world, people come from every direction to come and see Jesus. So Sophia, do you need a new table center for your your dining room table? I'll I'll leave this here for you. You can take it home with a poinsettia. How's that? All right, Jason, we'll do the offering song. We'll move along here. Let us pray. Thank you, God, for this bread and wine. Help us find forgiveness at this table. Cleanse us and bring us closer to you in this meal. Amen.
1: Mm, the Lord be he with you. Mm-hmm, lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is 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 indeed right, our duty and our joy, that we should at all times and in all places give thanks and praise to you, Almighty and Merciful God, through our Savior Jesus Christ. By the leading of a star, He was shown forth to all nations. In the waters of the Jordan, You proclaimed Him Your beloved Son. And in the miracle of the water turned into wine, He revealed Your glory. And so, with all the choirs of angels, with the church on earth, and the hosts of heaven, O God,
0: Triune, how majestic is your name in all the earth! Over the eons your merciful light evolved this home, a fragile tree of life. Here by your wisdom are both life and death, growth and decay, nest and hunt, sunshine and storm, darkness and light. O God, Triune, you took on flesh in Christ our healer. In Jesus you bring life from death, so we remember his cross, we laud his resurrection. For broken like bread he enlivens this body, and poured out like wine he fills the earth with goodness. We praise you for the heart of Jesus, filled with love for this earth. In the night in which he was betrayed, O Lord Jesus took bread, gave thanks broken, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. And again, after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks and gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. O God, try you you create the worlds, uphold the living and embrace the dead. Strengthen us for our journey with this meal, the body and blood of Christ. Give us a future that trusts in you and cares for this earth. We're empowered by your promise. We rise from death to praise you
1: again. Amen. Gathered into one by the Holy Spirit, let us pray as Jesus taught us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom us today our daily bread, forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us, us from the time of trial and
0: Christ given for you and the blood of Christ. Christ shed for you. Let us pray. We give you thanks, O God, for forgiving us and giving us the power to serve you in the world. Amen. I you to have a seat for announcements, joys, concerns. Did anyone have anything they wanted to share? Did everyone have a nice Christmas? Good. Yeah. Good. Um, I have a couple of things I want to let you know. Do you want to say anything about envelopes? Uh, they're here. Yes. Thank you, Bill. I have a couple reminders I want to let you know. Our annual meeting is going to be on January 30th, following worship, 10.30 a.m. Endowment is all filled up. We're going to make the committee a little bigger. So Diane Stelling will be on the ballot, and Ann keeler again will also be on the ballot for that. We have open seats to serve on Council. If you're interested in serving on Council, uh, please talk to me. Matt Hanson, Bill Whitney, uh, John Havens. Uh, we're all happy to chat more with you about that. The other thing I just wanted to sort of talk about, or let you know, is some, sometime this month, I'm going to be going on family leave. And the synod, which is what my call letter uh, prescribed, family leave is 12 weeks. Uh, so there will be about 12 weeks when I won't be regularly available the way I am now. Uh, I don't know exactly when that's going to start. If I did, I would let you know. Um, after about six weeks or so, halfway through, maybe, I'm going to come in on Sundays and preside for you, so that you can have communion, you can have a little homily, you can have sort of something a little bit more regular uh, in order. For the weeks that you're not that I'm not going to be around. Uh, Your council is in charge of arranging how responsibilities get covered and I'm preparing a lot of resources and information in advance to make that possible. Uh, But I just want to give you a heads up that if you show up at church one Sunday and there's I'm not here, there's a lay reader reading uh, a pre-written reflection that that's, that's what's going on. Does anyone have any questions about that? If you do, you can talk to me or you can talk to someone on council. I just wanted to let you know as a courtesy in advance so you weren't sort of caught off guard by that. All right? Good. Uh, Why don't you stand to receive the blessing? May you accept others, forgive often, and live righteously. And may Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit bless you now and forever. Amen. Go in peace, love, and forgive others. Thanks be to God.